Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast from Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partners for smart and powerful giving. Well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us. My name is Kurt Nola, Director of Member Relations here at Barnabas Foundation, and joining me today is Steve Baker, one of our senior estate planning attorneys who, Steve, remind me, how long have you been with Barnabas Foundation now? Is it 26 or 27 years? Yeah, it's been 26 years, so good times. Excellent. Well, to all of our members who have joined us, we certainly are glad you could pre, uh, join us today and participate in today's uh, uh, video seminar. And for those of you who are supporters of our member organizations, welcome. We're glad you're able to join us today as well. Um, throughout the broadcast today, if you have a question, feel free to type it into the Q&A portion that you can find at the bottom of your screen. It'll show up here on my screen here, and we'll address those questions as we're able to. And if by chance at the end of our session, we didn't get to your question, we will be sure to reach out to you at, um, at the afterwards and, and address any questions that you might have. And then just for those of you who are aware, um, this session is being recorded and it will be available through for our members through our member center uh, for you to share uh, for future viewing purposes or to share with other supporters who wish they could have participated today but uh, couldn't be with us today. So again, Steve, thanks for joining us today. We're gonna appreciate your insights. And here we're talking about today, um, giving appreciated real estate. And so my first question to you right off the bat, Steve, is you know, why, do people, uh, why do people make a gift of real estate? Yeah, thanks, Kurt. And uh, yeah, by the way, good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, wherever you're located. And thanks for the opportunity to share uh, this time together with you. So yeah, I think the, the, the one thing about uh, giving of real estate is, um, you know, it fits kind of within the way that people start to, to gather or, or lean into this whole stewardship concept of, of giving what God has, has given to them. And so it's not just um, you know writing a check; it's more thinking about our total picture of assets that we have, and and start to think about you know are there ways that we can use these assets to uh, to support the ministries that we want to support. So I think that's uh, that's kind of the first reason why you know people start to think about giving real estate. Um, some of the other reasons it's you know sometimes it's uh, a piece of real estate that's uh, ready to sell. Um, sometimes it's a donor has owned it for a long time and they're tired of it, um, ready to move on to something else. So various reasons for, for why people give it. So. so over the 26 years you've been, or 27 years you've been with Barnabas Foundation, now I imagine you've seen a few types of real estate gifts. You know, give us some examples of what people have given to Barnabas over the years. Yeah, we've seen a lot of uh, fantastic real estate gifts over the years. And, you know, they range from vacant parcels of land. Um, they also include vacation homes, cottages, um, condos, things like that. Um, and then you start to look at some of the investment properties that people may have owned. So those can include duplexes or single family rental homes, fourplexes, apartment complexes. Um, we've received commercial properties, whether it be, um, a business owned property or a commercial, say a strip mall or something like that, some industrial warehousing space. Um, and then, you know, some of the, the parcels of land that are used in, in agriculture too. So you get some farmland and, and different things like that. So it hasn't really been just one specific kind. It's really been this, this vast uh, um, array of different types of real estate that people wanna give, so. 
We have certainly seen a lot of it in the last year or so. We've done an awful lot of uh, real estate transactions here at Barnabas Foundation. And uh, um, yeah. so it is an absolute awesome gift to make if you, if you by chance happen to have a piece of real estate and, and are charitably inclined and have, you know, uh, this is a great way if you're thinking about divesting uh, a piece of real estate or that second home, that vacation home, the cottage, uh, the family farm, any number of things. Um, it's maybe a great way to start off by setting aside a portion of it to meet your charitable goals in the immediate future. And so that kind of raises the question. We get this often. I talk to uh, members across the country regularly, and, and the one question that comes up from time to time is, do they have to give you the whole thing, or can they, can they make a partial gift of a piece of real estate? How does that work? Yeah, the, um, the parcels of real estate that we receive have varied. We have gotten 100% ownership interest in, um, in parcels of real estate. Um, we've also gotten what we call fractional interests or you know, an undivided uh, 30% uh, of a particular piece of property. So it, it doesn't have to be uh, an all or nothing kind of a, of a composition of a gift. And you know, that's part of what we do is kind of talking through the whole, um, what makes sense, um, what are the goals of a particular donor in, in, um, in giving dollar amounts, et cetera? What, is, what are the tax consequences? And you know, that's, that's just kind of part of, of the discussion that we have with people when we talk through that. Mm -hmm. But the key there was that it doesn't have to be, it's an undivided interest. So you don't, if it's, especially it's a big in land, you don't have to worry about dividing a parcel into separate parcels. You just give a percentage interest in that property to, to Barnabas then, right? That is correct. Yeah. Excellent. Um, when it comes to that investment property, the rental property, and this, we just did this with a couple I know, and, and I'll share that story in just a second. But, you know, if people are sitting out there and they, they have their rental properties and perhaps they're, um, uh, they've held it for a long time and it's been pretty highly depreciated, right? So there's a nice substantial capital gain in it, but there's an income stream coming off that property. They'd like to make some gifts. Maybe they're ready to invest the property, but they still need an income stream. Is there a way for them to make a gift of real estate and still re retain an income interest in the gift or something along the lines, provide that income to replace that income they were getting off the rental? Yes, absolutely. And, um, and so, yeah, when we go back and talk about, you know, kind of the, the benefits, to, so to speak, first, um, you know, you mentioned the appreciation. So when, when somebody reaches the point of saying, okay, I'm, it's time to sell this piece of property, whatever it is, um, you know, they do have a substantial amount of gain most of the time. And so if they turn around and sell it, um, they have to pay the tax and then they can reinvest the proceeds. But, you know, it's not 100% of, of the value that's going into this reinvestment, so to speak. So if they gift the property, they avoid the gain um, and they get the charitable income tax deduction. So if you were to contribute a piece of property, say to a charitable remainder trust, that does provide income, 100% of the value of that property is now in the trust. And the, tr the trust can be the seller and doesn't have to pay the tax and reinvest 100% of the proceeds then of the sale to, to kind of start to, to produce that income stream for them. So that's kind of the comparison. You know, I sell it, pay the tax and reinvest the difference which could be, you know, you generally have a 20 to maybe 25% tax that goes off of that. So say you're gonna reinvest 75% to produce an income stream. Whereas if you do the charitable kind of plan, 
then you're reinvesting 100% of the proceeds in there. And, you know, you're, you're accomplishing some of the charitable desires that, uh, that donors have. So it's a great combination. Yeah. And just a reminder for those of you who joined us um, after we started our broadcast, if you do have a question uh, about anything related to uh, gifting of real estate that you'd like to ask myself or Steve, feel free to type it into the Q&A portion um, and it'll pop up here on the screen. We'll be able to address those questions as we go along here. Um, but that just reminds me of the story of the local couple that we helped recently. Um, we, they got introduced to us um, through a, a representative of one of our member ministries and they had been lamenting to him um, that they owned a couple of rental homes and they had owned these for quite a few years. They were uh, significant capital gains on them. Um, they still needed the income stream because they had been, you know, uh, in, in the education field there most of their lives. And, um, but they were in their upper 80s. And so here they are in their upper 80s being landlords, dealing with tenant issues, collecting rents, finding new tenants or making repairs. And, but they were scared to sell um, because they had this huge gain. The property had been depreciated down. And so the idea of paying 20% or 25% in, in capital gains taxes and losing that value and not being able to draw an income off the tax portion concerned them. And, and then it was just that income scare for them because they were drawing this nice monthly income coming off these rental homes. And so when we showed them how a CRT worked and how they could put a portion of it or all of the property into the CRT, get that tax deduction, which was huge for them, right? Uh, for a percentage portion of that gift, they're getting that income stream off of uh, the full value of what was gifted um, and it replaced their income. And in, in their particular case, they ended up retaining a portion of the home. They, they didn't give 100% of the trust, they gave uh, whatever it was, some percentage, and they retained a portion of it because the gift into the trust was more than enough to offset the tax that was due that they on the portion they kept when you allocated that capital gain. So it was a tax neutral position for them they're no longer dealing with landlord issues and tenant issues, and they're getting a nice little income stream off of it. So they were absolutely thrilled with that transaction. And that's just one example of many like that that we've done over the years. Um, so a question just came up here. Um, what happens with the homestead if one of two remaining inheritors wish to make a charitable donation? Uh, interesting question, Steve. Do you have a, a response to that? One of two remaining inheritors of of a house that right. sounds like a personal resident. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, I mean, if there's charitable intent, that's fantastic. Um, probably the tax situation is not as, as dire because when the people who owned it previously died, then the asset gets what's called a step up in basis. Mm -hmm. And so they inherit that property at whatever the, the value of it is at the time that the person died. So there's probably not a lot of tax. Um, and if it was, if it's the inheritors now, personal prop, personal residence, the capital gain on personal residences is, is not um, too steep unless the home is, is really valuable. Um, so that's a different kind of a component to it. So uh, something we'd have to take a look at a little closer if, if they wanted to talk about that on the phone, but that would be my initial thought on it. Yeah, Gloria, that's a, a great question. If you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to uh, touch base with you a little more on that. And I think she might've been also been referring to that homestead exemption you get with the county property tax exemptions. If, if one of the two inheritors gifts their portion, how does the homestead get affected by that? Um, I'm not sure we've come across that, but we certainly have the ability to research that and sort that out and help you find an answer to that question. Um, uh, when it comes to income stream too, a question just came up from another, uh, from Steve. Um, 
could they transfer the property to Barnabas and then sell and issue a CGA? Um, usually we do uh, real estate transactions into a charitable remainder trust. And so the property is gifted into the name of the trust. Barnabas as trustee would then turn around and sell the property. Um, and then the trust would collect the proceeds and we would, the, we would manage that trust on their behalf. Um, we have not issued a CGA that is funded with real estate in many, 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 many years. Um, it can be done. Um, usually under some pretty tight requirements because there's certain risks to doing it inside of a CGA um, that has immediate payment calculations off the value of the property. And if the property is not sold, it creates a uh, position for us as the issuer of the CGA, one of a risk position that um, sometime we're not willing to take. But it is something we could look at. But more often than not, Steve, the, uh, the, the real estate's gifted into a charitable remainder trust rather than a charitable gift annuity. Um, so you touched on this a little bit, real estate, wonderful investment, um, especially if it's an investment property. But again, on that capital gains things, I just want to come back to that. That gain on any portion that's gifted is no longer taxable once it reaches the charitable hands. Correct, Steve? It's, it's just like the embedded tax is gone. Correct? That's correct. Okay. I mean, and that's, that's kind of one of the, the main benefits of it is you, you avoid the capital gain tax. So I look at these kinds of gifts you know, they're really double benefit. You know, you get the avoidance of the gain, but then you also get a charitable deduction for the fair market value of the property that's given. Um, so, you know, there's there's kind of that double and it's it's really strong. I mean, that double benefit is is really huge for a lot of people. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's that's important to keep in mind. When it comes to gifts like this, um, it's, it's as we hinted to, it's not an all or nothing uh, issue here. They can give an undivided portion of the real estate, but could they do multiple types of gifts where they gift a portion of it into a crut, let's just say, and they keep a portion of it. And then could they put a portion of it into a donor advised fund as well for immediate charitable giving that they might have the need to do? Yeah, um, interesting. Um, I did a, a gift like this a few years back where um, I think it was the, the donor kept 34% in their own name. They gifted another, you know, 30% into donor advised fund and then gifted the other portion into a charitable remainder trust. So it was this real balancing of, you know, what percentage is, is going to go in each of the gift vehicles, but then you can also add in the, the keep component of it. So, um, that was an interesting looking deed, that's for sure. And it and the closing happened, and um, yeah, everybody everybody was happy. Yep. So it's created. There's creative ways to think about this. If you are sitting on appreciated real estate that you're perhaps considering or ready to sell uh, or divest, and you're you're struggling with what to do from an income generation or from how do you meet some charitable goals that you might have, uh, how to maybe it's just to minimize some of the tax, whatever it might be. You know, we'd encourage you to reach out to the, the member, the organization that invited you to join this or to reach out to us directly. We'd be happy to help you think through and strategize with you on what that looks like. Um, we've done many of those gifts where there's been multiple pieces kind of gifted into different things, whether it be a trust for, for their benefit and then a donor advised fund, and then they retain a portion. Sometimes they're just flat out outright gifts, right? Where they just say, you know what, I'm gonna been blessed. The Lord's blessed me with this and uh, it's appreciated mightily. And I've got, uh, you know, a capital campaign commitment that I'm just gonna use this property as a way in which to fulfill my capital campaign commitment, or I'm going to set this aside for my giving for the next 10 years and put it in my donor advice fund. Any, any number of scenarios are possible with, um, with, with real estate uh, in terms of how we structure the, the, the gift transaction. 
Um, a question came in, um, if a property is donated, would it be better for the ministry to hang on to the property if they know it will increase in value in a few years, pros or cons? Um, similarly to really any other type of investment uh, asset that's been given to us over the years, sometimes there are reasons for us to retain the property and hold on to it for a period of time. Um, it could be because there's a potential development brewing that may drastically increase the value of the property. It could be that in some cases we've had folks give us rental property that they've asked us to retain and use the rental income off of to put into their donor advised fund that they then give out to their favorite charities. And so anytime the situation like that, we'd be happy to talk to the donor, understand the goals and objectives, the market value, the asset that's outlook and so forth, and, and uh, certainly could consider that as part of any gift. Um, Steve, last night a question came in that um, I touched on briefly with you before we went live, but I think it's a great question for folks who are watching today. But this particular gentleman had asked, uh, they had a piece of rental property. It's worth, you know, a nice little modest six-figure sum, and their basis is about a little less than half the value of the property. Um, so let's just say, uh, round numbers here, the, the property is worth about $200,000, and the basis in it is around $75,000. Um, their son wants to buy it from them. Um, and they're debating whether or not to give the whole amount into the donor advised fund or only a portion of it. Um, and so the question really is, it's twofold. One, can a related party, if, if someone was to give something to us, can a related party buy it? And two, is there fair value considerations we have to give to here if a related party is buying something from, uh, that's been gifted to us by a related, by a related party? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, if, if we use, if the donor wants it into the donor advised fund, then we have flexibility to uh, sell it to a, um, what we would call a disqualified person under the eyes of the IRS. Um, and so in a charitable trust though, you can't do that. So we just kind of have to clarify at the beginning of this whole process of, you know, what are the intentions and who's gonna be involved. Um, and then I think, um, what was the, the second part? Question really becomes oh, fair market value. Fair market so value. We, we really yeah. do have to be careful with what we sell for because um, it has to be fair market value. We can't, um, we can't report to the IRS that a gift was made of X and then we sold it for half of that amount, you know, and then it starts to get really um, dangerous for the donor. So we really have to stay within the fair market value concepts of a sale too. So on that, it, it, it's a good point there, uh, and we'll touch on process of making a gift in a minute, but anytime a piece of property is gifted with your tax return as the donor, you have to file at the point of uh, your, your next tax return a form, I think it's the 8283 form, correct, Steve, for the gift transaction and the appraised value of the building. If Barnabas then sells that asset within three years, we have to follow on and file the 8282 form, which reports the IRS what we sold the property for. And so it's important to make sure that those numbers are not drastically skewed because it raises an audit risk for the donor itself if those numbers are different uh, substantially. So uh, just important to keep that in mind. So a few questions came in here. We'll address um, as we're able here. Um, do rental lease agreements need to be rewritten on a gifted piece of property? Um, so if rental property, they have a current tenant, um, how do we typically handle with that? handle that, Steve? Yeah, so they don't have to be totally rewritten. Um, most leases have assignment uh, paragraphs in them. So uh, we would just get an assignment from the lander us, and then we just fall into their shoes, so to speak, to, um, to collect rent and to make sure we collect rent, et cetera. So um, that's pretty typical. If it's a new 
tenant that, you know, maybe the, the property was vacant when it was gifted and then, you know, a new tenant comes in, then we do the lease agreements or any renewals, we do the, the new lease agreements, et cetera. So. And this, this question came in from Dan. Uh, Dan, good to see you again, or, or thank you for joining us today. Um, he, Dan just learned one of their constituents sold his business. Is it too late for him to avoid capital gains tax because the sale's been completed? Um, like any other transaction of appreciated assets, um, transaction, gift transactions of real estate have to be executed prior to that sales agreement being executed or signed. Um, and so you might be in a process of talking to someone about, you know, buying your property or something, but as long as there is not a definitive sales agreement, correct, Steve, that they could still make the gift and get the tax deduction, correct? Yeah, the, the, basically the, the standard is that you, you can't have a prearranged sale with a buyer out there before you give it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a little bit of a gray area. Um, legally binding agreement tends to be um, a good a good landing point there. But if you get too far down the path in terms of, of discussions, then, then it gives um, more appearance that there's a sale. So we have to be careful with that issue. And we like to have some timeframes in there that, um, that will help um, kind of say, we, we received the property. And if, if we knew of a buyer, that's fine. We'll reach out to them later after the gift is made. And then we, we kind of work through that. But you have to do it ahead of time. And, and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes uh, those, um, those processes of sales are pretty far along and you can't, um, you can't unwind it. So you got to get, you have to be proactive, I guess, is the way to say that in, in these. And you got to get in early to have this, these discussions. Right. That's the key. Now, in, in the the previous question about a sale that's already happened, um, this is a good year to to have a conversation with the donor about some some gifting options after the sale because there may be some things to to help them with. So whoever asked that question, um, maybe call in a little bit later and we can have a discussion about some options with that. And that would relate to the 100% tax deductibility of income this year, which was an extension of last year's CARES Act. So. It is a little bit of a unique year in which there may be some ways to offset a significant portion of that capital gains tax that's due. But the general rule is once it's sold, that tax is due. There's no way to avoid it on the, the capital gain. And your best bet is just to um, uh, make as many gifts as possible as you can to maximize the tax deduction on your tax return. So Yeah, the key is if you give it before, you're avoiding. If you make gifts after the sale, you're minimizing kind right. of the, the tax effect. So. So the important, uh, if you walk away with any message whatsoever, if you're a real estate investor is to, as you're thinking well in advance to say, hey, you know, in two, three years from now, I think I'm going to be done holding this piece of property. Um, let's start having those conversations early in the process rather than waiting to the last minute and trying to uh, quickly make a gift. Uh, and then turn around, we sell the property within just a handful of days. Um, that's where it doesn't quite meet the smell test of the IRS and may raise a few eyebrows and, and cause a little more scrutiny of those types of transactions. Um, so Steve, just one last question for you. Can you kind of describe for those watching, what is the typical process for someone um, who wants to make a, a gift of real estate um, without having to deal with every single step. But generally speaking, what's the process look like here at Barnabas Foundation? Yeah, I think the process for us is as, as any um, recipient of property, we have to do some due diligence to make sure that what we're getting is what they say we're getting. 
Um, so we have a, a, a way to collect information to kind of determine that. It's again called our due diligence, and um, it, it's there's a lot more involved with that when you gift real estate as opposed to just gifting a publicly traded stock. You know that's very simple, but we have to do due diligence. Um, then we look at kind of some other factors. Um, what's our what's the exit going to be? How do how are we using this property? Is it for a donor advised fund? Is it for um, a trust? We have a committee that actually reviews um, information in the plan and, and then kind of gives its approval to say, yes, we think we can move forward with this and we would accept the gift. Um, and then we kind of move more towards the, the gifting, uh, making sure that the deeds are done properly. If it's into a charitable remainder trust, make sure we have those in place. Um, and then once we kind of have that in place, then we move towards the sales steps, if you will, and um, and if there's uh, some folks that are out there that are potential buyers, you know, there's some communication that happens. If, if we get a property where there is no buyer um, out there that we have ever even heard of or, or, or anything, you know, we'll list it with a real estate agent to, to sell it. And then they go ahead and procure um, offers and, uh, and then we go through it to the closing. And um, a lot of the closings are happening kind of remotely and wire transfer of funds and those kinds of things. But we've got a great team that kind of works through this whole process kind of from very beginning to the very end. And, and it involves kind of the planners, myself and my other colleagues who are doing this around the country to then our finance team in, in Illinois. And um, it, it does take some work to get it all done. And, and it takes really managing the relationship um, and expectations um, that people have. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, a process that is very manageable. And obviously we've done a, a lot of these. So it's, it's not something that's so cumbersome that people just don't wanna do it at all. We've done a lot of these and we just walk, walk right through it and hold donors hands with it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a great way to mention that is um, we're, we're, we're right there keeping you in the loop. The donor uh, member organizations that perhaps this gift may be benefiting, we're keeping you in the loop uh, and maintaining a constant stream of communication with you about how the gift is progressing. Um, and importantly, that due diligence, that real estate application and some of those key things we're looking for, making sure we understand how the property is held. Um, and is there any issues associated with how the property is held? Are there partners or so forth that we need to be aware of? Um, certainly any environmental concerns, we have to be very aware of that. And then of course, debt. Debt on property is problematic when it comes to making a gift, right? So if there's a mortgage or something against it, um, there, there's an issue with, with, with property with debt on it, right, Steve? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, a lot of times, if there is some debt on the property, um, folks have made arrangements to clear that debt by doing some other um, financing on other properties or something along those lines. And, but we find a lot of these, uh, like the duplex that somebody's owned for, you know, 30 years or so, and there hasn't been debt on the property in, in a long time. So, um, but it, it is an issue that we have to talk about with folks and there are some creative ways to um, to get around it too so sherry thank you for your kind comment sherry uh, one of one of our member reps um, who've been working with us for just over a year now and um, at one of our, our member ministries um, we've worked with several uh, real estate gifts with sherry and her colleague jim and um, they've all been 
um, uh, quite successful in the end. And so, but thank you for your kind comments, Sherry. They're duly appreciated. And we consider it an honor and privilege to walk alongside you, the donor, and or our member ministries in helping you unlock this, this wonderful gift that the Lord's blessed you with in terms of its appreciated and value and, and helping you unlock the, uh, that, that asset for, for kingdom purposes or charitable purposes. And so we're here to serve. Um, and that's, that's been our role for 45 years. Um, a question came in, what amount of time is needed to accomplish adding BF as a percent owner of real estate prior to a pending sale of the real estate? So how much lead time do we really need, um, Steve, kind of to make that the initial step of making the gift happen? Yeah, um, it's hard to say for sure. Um, my, my, the flashing lights are going off when somebody says a pending sale. So I'm a, I'm a little cautious to answer that one. Um, but, but I think in general, if, if somebody gives us enough information and you know, you're ready to kind of make the gift um, and then have an attorney prepare a deed that transfers the property to us, you know, it, it can happen uh, within a couple of weeks. Um, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, some of them take a little bit longer than that. Um, it's, it's more about what's this pending sale because you can't have at the closing all of a sudden say, oh, by the way, can I just give 20% of this property to Barnabas? I mean, that, that's just not going to work. That's basically going to be deemed as a sale and then a cash gift. So, um, but, but reasonable amounts of time. It's, yep. It is not like a stock gift where you can call your broker in the morning and that stock can be transferred to us that morning or afternoon. It's, it's not that same process. Right. It so. can. I mean, we can compress the time frame I've seen where we can get it down to a few days um, if the donor, if we get information quickly on the history of the property, the nature of it. Um, and are able to clear any environmental concerns or any other issues associated with that. Um, but it's still, there's a process to go by from getting the application done, letting us review it. You know, before we accept the property, we have to know what it is that we're accepting. And there's on occasion we've turned gifts away because there's marketability questions or there's uh, uh, any sort of other issues that have come up with the property during the due diligence process. So occasionally it does happen where we say, you know, this is not going to make a good gift. Um, and then our gift acceptance committee, while they have a scheduled meeting, they can certainly meet on demand as needed if there's an issue that or a gift that needs to happen quickly. Um, and the important thing is getting that deed drafted once we say we can accept it and getting it filed appropriately. Um, that you know, at minimum, it's you know best part of a week uh, or most of it, and realistically, a comfortable time frame is a couple of weeks to get those things done. Right. So excellent. Well, Steve, I thank you for your insight and for joining us today. Um, I hope those who are on the call gain some value insight into you know, how real estate transactions work and the gifting opportunities from that. Um, for anybody who has follow-on questions today about today's topic or any other topic associated with giving of non-cash related assets, how gift of income works, how to include charity in your will, any questions whatsoever, feel free to reach out to us at 888 448-3040 or send us an email at planning at barnabasfoundation.com and we'd be happy to talk to you. Um, and uh, again, thank you for your time and blessings for the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. To learn how you can give to your church and other favorite ministries in smart and powerful ways, visit www.barnabasfoundation.com.